excited to do this today. I'm going to talk about the tarot, some of the basics about the tarot uh, that a lot of people, I suppose, don't know. One of my favorite topics to teach on, though. So, again, like I said, we'll get started here in a second. And I'm going to try and do some share screening stuff, and hopefully my connection holds and I don't get too many gaps or interruptions. I seem to always have that a little bit on Sunday mornings for some reason. Thanks, everybody, for joining. So, shall we get started? Um, and I, I'm not – hopefully I'll be somewhat organized with this today. There's a lot of information. I remember hearing once that a uh, good teacher – was able to take the complex and make it simple. I always said I had the ability to take the simple and make it complex. <laughs> uh, and the tarot is kind of like that. The tarot is uh, both simple and complex. So let's get into it. What, what makes a deck a tarot deck? I mean, you can go to Barnes & Noble, go to metaphysical shops, uh, not thousands of decks out there, right? And some of them are tarot decks. I mean, you got tarot decks for everything. You got a, uh, I think I saw last time a Game of Thrones tarot deck. Uh, I know there's a cat tarot deck out there for all the cat lovers. Um, there's even a zombie tarot deck, vampire tarot deck. Uh, so people have had lots of fun with that. And then you have oracle decks. And so some will be called tarot decks and some will be called oracle decks. And then you have the more traditional older tarot decks that come from the Renaissance period or the images kind of line up with what's called the Rider Waite tarot deck. So what makes something a tarot deck versus um, an oracle deck? So tarot has a very specific structure to it. You have what's called the major arcana and the minor arcana. That's the first real division to it. Some people would say there's three divisions to the tarot deck. They would say that the full card is its own section, and I'll explain that in a minute. And then you have the major arcana or the trump cards, and you have the minor arcana or you have the four suits. Now, I want you to think about just a plain old royal deck of playing cards, something you might play poker or uh, rummy or something like that with. It, it actually has some of the tarot structure embedded in it. So, in the minor arcana, so what's missing from your 52-card deck, what's missing in it from a 78-card tarot deck is you're missing all of the major arcana cards, and you're missing, I believe it's the knight, which is the court card. So you have the four suits. In traditional cards, you have spades, you have heart, you have club, and you have diamonds. In the tarot deck, you have cups, you have swords, you have wands, and you have um, pentacles, coins. So you can see the structure that's there. And actually, it's, it's reflected. If you think about a wand and a club, you think about a diamond and a pentacle or a coin, you think about uh, a heart being a, a cup, and you think about spade being swords. So you have the four traditional decks, and then you have the 10 cards, numerical cards in each suit. You have those in the tarot deck as well. And then you have the court cards. In our traditional decks, it's jack, 
queen and king. In the tarot deck, you have the page, the knight, the queen, and the king. So in your traditional playing card decks, they took out the major arcana, and they took out the knight cards. So you have 52 cards. In a traditional tarot deck, for it to be a tarot deck, technically, you have to have the 22 major arcana cards, and then you have 56 because you have one extra so that gives you 78. So any deck that has that structure then can technically be considered a tarot deck. An oracle deck can have any number of cards at all. It can have five cards. It can have a 100 cards. Um, but it's designed for specifically the purpose of doing readings. What you would think of as typical, you know, tarot sort of fortune telling, even though I don't think uh, anybody really uses that term because – it's not so much about fortune telling or predicting the future, or telling people what's going to happen. Uh, Oracle decks and tarot decks, when they're used for readings, are there to give you insights about what's going on in your life. And a lot of that's coming subconsciously. And so most people only know about tarot from the standpoint of doing readings and divination, whatever you want to call it. And that's certainly, a, I think, a valid use of the deck. And I'll explain how that sort of works in a minute. But it's certainly not the main purpose or the primary purpose or necessarily even the most beneficial use of a tarot deck. So I use the term major arcana, minor arcana. So the word arcana comes from an old English word, arcane. And for something to be arcane, something that's arcane, it's a secret. It's a mystery. It's something known only to the initiates. So if we translate that or understand the meaning of arcana, it's the mysteries or the secrets or it's the revelation of those mysteries and the revelation of those secrets. So you have the major arcana cards, which is what we're going to deal with and talk about. That would be considered the major secrets. And then you have the minor arcana cards. That would be considered the minor secrets. So the swords, the wands, the cups, uh, the pentacles, those are the minor secrets of life. And the major arcana, or what they call the trump cards, is the major secrets of life. So, again, if you've ever played a game, uh, any kind of a game like Pinochle or uh, Spades, Spades is a good example if you've ever played Spades. In the game of Spades, you're trying to take cards, and the highest card wins the suit. And... Then you have trump cards. So in spades, you have, uh, so let's say that the suit that's being played is hearts and somebody lays, let's say you get the 10 jack and king of hearts that are being laid. The person who laid the king would win the suit unless someone had a trump card. You could have a two of spades and you could win the hand or you could win that thing. (laughs) Whatever, I'm struggling to get my words out. Um, In order to uh, uh, win the suit. So the two of spades trumps. So the major arcana are like the trump cards. They're the major things or the major happenings, the major secrets that go on in our lives. And the minor arcana are the minor secrets that go on in our lives. Now, remember I said that in some people's explanation of tarot cards, they would set the full apart 
as uh, its own card. And I'll show you that again in a second. I just want to keep putting that into your mind. So one of, one of the interesting things for me about tarot decks, when you have, you know, cat tarot and zombie tarot and <laughs> Game of Thrones tarot or whatever kind of tarot deck you're dealing with, um, then the question becomes, are they arcana? Are the arcane teachings and the arcane secrets contained within the cards? Did the artist go to efforts to preserve those things? So I, I prefer to go off something that's based on the writer weight. The writer weight art does not appeal to me at all, with all due respect to Pamela Coleman Smith, who created the art on the decks. Um, I just don't find it appealing. Um, and it, but I knew that it had the arcana. It had the secrets coded in picture form. So let me say this too. Every card, like, like I'm going to talk about some of the cards and you may be out there. You may have read tarot for years. You may be just getting started in tarot. You may have a reference book that you refer to to tell you what the cards mean. And as I talk about the cards, you may say, well, that's not what that card means. Uh, that card means this and run to your book or maybe from your own, uh, treasure house of knowledge that you've gained over the years from working with the cards, reading the cards, whatever. So the thing that's so cool to me about tarot cards versus, let's say, scriptures. Scriptures are very auditory. They're verbal. They're cognitive. Pictures, so so they speak to the conscious mind, generally. Pictures and images go deeper than that. Pictures and images speak to the deeper levels of our heart. And draw out our intuitions. And so I'm sure you've heard the saying that a picture paints a thousand words, right? So what's cool about the cards, like you can be dogmatic about scriptures. You can say, well, this scripture says this, and so this scripture means this. And you're dealing with it on a very surface sort of cognitive verbal level of meaning. When you're looking at the pictures and tarot cards, you can look at them a thousand different ways. You can get a thousand different meanings. You could look at the same card for every day for a year and journal from what you're getting intuitively, the thoughts and feelings and things that are coming up as you're looking at those cards. And it can have all those meanings because of what the pictures and the images invoke. It transcends language. It goes beyond language. So there's no reason to be dogmatic about this card means this. And if it shows up in a reading like this. And, and so again, a good tarot reader isn't necessarily just looking for the meanings of the cards and saying, well, this card is telling you this. They're looking at the cards, and as they're looking at the cards, it's opening up that intuitive sort of psychic ability inside them to then be have something objective that they can look at. Now, people will always argue, well, but if you're doing a reading and you lay the cards out, it's just it's completely random. Some people would argue and say, no, it's completely guided by spirits or some people invoke angels or have an angel or spirit guide or something that they work with when they're reading tarot and they ask the angel or the spirit guide to help assist to make sure that the cards are laid correctly for the person. The truth of the matter is, is that all these energies, that each one of the in life, and so any problem that you have, any situation that you're facing, any of the tarot cards are going to speak to you in that situation. 
but it's going to narrow your focus. You're going to be able to begin to look at various different energies. And as you're looking at thinking about those energies, so if you do readings for yourself, there's people say, you know, you shouldn't do readings for yourself. I totally disagree. It was interesting. I had a situation come up. I don't want to say too much about it, but I had a so I had a dream on Tuesday night <laughs> intuitively from the dream was you need to pick your battles on this one. And so before the meeting, I went ahead and did a just a simple three card spread for myself. And it was amazing how accurate it was. And even with just the basic meanings of the cards that kind of everybody generally agrees on, the cards were telling me the same thing as my dream. And then sure enough, when I engaged with that circumstance and the people involved in those circumstances, in, in that circumstance, it totally went the way both my dream and the cards were showing me that it would go beforehand. So I'm a firm believer in reading for yourself because as you read for yourself and you look at the cards and you meditate on them, it's going to stir your intuition. It's going to stir things up in the subconscious that is going to help you look at situations from a maybe a different perspective than you've been looking at it before so that you can gain sort of your own intuitive wisdom about how to navigate the day or circumstances or situations in your life. So, so that's, you know, one of the really powerful ways that you can use the tarot. Today, I want to talk about the secrets part of it. I want to talk about the secrets part of it and some of the secrets that are embedded within not just the cards themselves, but I specifically want to look at the structures of what's going on with the cards. So let me see if I can do this right. Let me get back to Zoom here. And let me see if I can share screen. And hopefully you're looking at the full card, which is the first of the Major Arcana, first deck or card in the deck. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it came up. There's a little bit of a delay. I can kind of watch here on my phone. Um, and I, I see some questions out there. I'll, I'll come back and answer. I'll, I'll scroll through and try to answer some of the questions if I remember <laughs> before the teaching's over. But remember I said the full kind of, is its own card. And you'll notice that it doesn't, the Major Arcana has 22 cards, but it only goes up to 21 because it doesn't begin with one. It begins with a zero. And the reason it begins with zero is because the fool <clears throat> represents us, basically. So the fool doesn't necessarily represent a specific meaning in the sense that the other cards do, a specific situation or energy that's working in life, the fool is always present because the fool represents your presence or the presence of the person that you're doing the reading for. And so you can see that the fool is getting ready to take off on a journey. So I'll show you a couple things here. He's getting ready to take off on a journey, and he's about to go off a cliff. You can see that there, that he's about to go off a cliff. And he's surrounded by all this yellow color and everything that's there, which represents in the, in the traditional teaching, the yellow color represents what they would call the light power, the, the light of God, that which is completely transcendent from this world of name and form, that energy that's everywhere that if you want a biblical reference, the apostle Paul said, uh, to the Greeks in Acts 17, he said in Athens, he says, uh, for in him or in God, we live and move and have our being. So the yellow there represents just the light power. And the full represents that aspect of the light power or life power that you are. 
that transcends the physical dimension and transcends the world of name and form. It transcends all the energies. It transcends all the other or revelations or secrets or arcana that are in the rest of the cards. So therefore, because the fool is transcendent and the fool sort of goes on this fool's journey, if you will, through all the different stages and all the different combinations that can come up with the major and the minor arcana. So this is you sort of, you could think about you as being before birth. And because you, the people that created the tarot and put the, the secrets in the tarot, the esoteric teachings in the tarot, believed that we came from a space that transcends name and form, <clears throat> that the universe is completely conscious, but also believe in reincarnation. So what he's carrying in his bag there is what he's bringing with him from his past life. So you could look at this from the very beginning as that, aspect of you that comes from heaven that comes from the light power that is getting ready to dive into your next life into this physical dimension of name and form bringing with you uh, lessons and karmic connections and whatever else from your past life and you're getting ready to dive into this one and take your journey and take your adventure so that's why the full card can sit by itself now the next card you'll see oh no i want to do so the last card see remember i said let me back up a little bit, slow down. There are 22 cards in the deck. So the first one is the Fool. The last one is the World. The last one is the World. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But you could kind of see the World card. If, if the Fool card is the beginning of the journey, then the World card is the culmination of the journey. It's the expression of the full potential of the journey. So the woman in the card is actually meant to be androgynous because it's supposed to represent the blending of the masculine and the feminine energies. You notice that she's naked or mostly naked, and that is supposed to represent that you have come to a place where you are naked and not ashamed, where you are fully authentic to your true inner self and your true inner life, and then you are in the midst of the world or the cosmos expressing what you came here to express in all authenticity, living and fulfilling your purpose, living and fulfilling a balanced and fulfilled and enriched life. So the idea is, is that you start as the fool, and as you pass through the various stages of the journey, which we're going to look at and spend most of our time on, if you complete the stages of the journey, then you have this beautiful manifestation of who you are, uh, expressing who you are, and fulfilling why you came here into this life. And so one of the things that for me makes the tarot so valuable is it can help us, it can really begin to guide us towards this revelation, this unveiling, this manifestation of the authentic and true self and the fulfillment of our actual soul's purpose and why we came. So that's pretty cool. Now, this is not a right or wait one, but I liked it. This is the magician, which is number one. So it comes after the fool. It's number one. And the reason the magician card is important, I want you to notice here, what has he got spinning before him? Now, in the traditional Rider Waite deck, if you're familiar with it, these items are sitting on a table. He's standing before a table or an altar. He's got one hand up. There's the yellow behind him. So he's drawing the light power down from heaven. And then you have these items, which are a wand, a cup, a sword, and a pentacle. So what's cool about the magician card is you have 
as far as I can remember, it's the only card that has the major and the minor interacting or working together because the the magician is part of the major arcana or the trump cards, and then he's got the four suits spinning before him. So what do what does all this represent? What do the four suits represent? Let's talk about that for a minute. So I'm just going to go clockwise and start at the top. You have the cups, and the cups represent your emotions. You have the sword. The sword typically represents ideas or intellect. You have the pentacle, which represents the material world, the physical aspects of your life. And then you have the wand, which represents our inspirations. It represents our passions. You can uh, relate them also to the four elements. You have water in the cup, which again represents emotions. You have the sword, which represents uh, wind. Think about waving a sword through the wind or air. So you have water, which represents the emotions. You have air, which represents our thinking. If you know anything about astrology, if you've got a lot of air signs in your chart, like I do, then you have a tendency to be have your head in the clouds, they'll say. Um, or even if you look at comic strips and you look at comic strips and it, it's got a cloud above the person's head to describe their thoughts. So that's the air or the sword. And then you have the pentacle, which obviously represents the earth, the, the grounding, the physical nature of our circumstances and our experience, the body, that sort of thing. And then you have the wand, which is fire, which, again, represents inspiration or desire or passions or things like that. Now, you've got the magician. So what does the magician represent? The magician represents basically you. In, in many ways, it's the fool, but it's your conscious willpower. Let's, let, let's do, do it that way. Um, so one of the, you know, premises or tenets of a lot of magical systems is do what thou wilt. Um, do what thou will, but bring no harm to others. Do, do what you will, but, uh, will under love. For this is the whole of the law. So it's this idea that we have the power of choice and we have the power of creativity. Or if you think about what a magician is, we have the power and the ability to do magic in our lives. So this is the lesson of the card, that you and I have the power to create something. We have the power to do magic in our lives. And what are the tools of the magician? The tools of the magician are the other four suits. The wand, the cup, the sword, and the pentacle. Got it? Or the tools that the magician works with are the emotions, the thoughts, the actions represented by the pentacles, what you do in this physical world, and the resources and stuff that you have here, and the wand being your inspirations, your desires. So it's the entire makeup of the individual, the entire makeup of the individual in terms of our states of consciousness and how we work with our states of consciousness. And so that the point of the magician is he's doing the great work. So up here, you could say what the alchemists called the great work, which is bringing about magical change within yourself, changing the world, not from the outside in, but changing the world from the inside out begins by making magical change within yourself. So if you think about chemistry or, or, uh, external alchemy, what they would do is they would work with substances by breaking down the various components of them and then rearranging them. So you've got, uh, 
water, and you have hydrogen peroxide. They're basically the same thing. It's just a rearranging of the elements of hydrogen and oxygen, right? So you have H2O, two parts hydrogen to one part oxygen, or hydrogen per oxide, hydrogen per oxide, H1O. So H2O can give you life. H1O, I suppose if you drank a lot of it, would make you really sick. Uh, and they have different purposes. They're completely different things, but simply rearranging the elements give you totally different outcomes and substances and purposes. And so the idea, excuse me, the idea of alchemy was to be able to break apart your various different states that were made up that most people are unconscious of that are made up of your emotions, that are made up of your thoughts, that are made up of your desires, breaking them into their pieces and then being able to transmute them by simply rearranging them to create different states of mind, to create different states of consciousness. And just like H2O and H1O have totally different purposes, by rearranging those things inside of you, then you could do magic. So this is the person in the world who's completed the great work. So let's come back to the magician. So the idea is... (laughs) That the magician is working with all these things. So let me give you an example. The magician I told you represents your will. So let's just take this live video that I'm doing. I had it in my will, in my intention, as part of my purpose, to do this live teaching on Sunday mornings. So that's the magician aspect of it. So it makes it happen. If I didn't have that intention, if I didn't have this will to do this, then not, none of this would be created. We wouldn't have the chance to share this time together. Now, for this specific lesson, as an example, I got inspired, a wand. (laughs) A wand was waved where I said, you know what? I'm going to teach a little bit more about the tarot and the structure of the tarot. And here's what I want to do. And it came from this inspiration, this this inspiration, this fire just sort of hit me. Yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then I had a really positive feeling about that. So the emotion comes like, yeah, that'll be cool. I think that people will really like that. I think they'll benefit from it and enjoy it and I'll enjoy it. So there's the emotional aspect coming in to create a state of mind. And then I had to think it through. How am I going to do it? Uh, it's, it's going to be a bummer if they've never seen the cards before. Maybe I can figure out how to share a uh, screen, <laughs> which is not hard, by the way. Uh, but I, I just haven't done it much. Maybe I can figure out how to do this on Zoom, and this is how I can like So the thinking and the thought process and the planning goes into it. That's the sort, and then ultimately putting it together in this format and actually presenting it would represent the pentacles. So you see all of those various things came into play. Every single one of them came into play with creating this very video and doing this very video. So from the perspective of the arcana, from the perspective of the esoteric teaching, what we are experiencing together is magic. And what we're experiencing together is magic that I created. I decided to do it. You get it. And so everything in our life then becomes magical. Everything in our life, we have so much ability and so much power to change the direction of our life, to change where we're going, but notice the magician works from the inside out. The magician is working on the states of consciousness on the inside and then using those states of consciousness to create and affect change in the world of what we're going to call today name and form, the physical world. So everything that we do, there's magic in everything that we do. And 
the first lesson is to realize that you're the magician. You have these powers. You have these four powers with you, the power to feel, the power to think, the power to desire and be inspired, and the power to act. And when you take those powers and you manipulate their states and you work with them, you can you can create change and create magic for yourself and for others. Make sense? Now, I want to show you one more thing, and then I'll come back to you. Uh, <laughs> I want to show you, this is the layout then of the major arcana, and it's laid out in a very specific way. You have the fool at the top, because remember, the fool is kind of separate. And then you could say the fool goes on a journey, beginning with the magician, and then you have the high priestess, the empress, and so on. But notice that it's laid out in three layers or three levels of seven. Three levels of seven. So on the top one here, you have the magician. And at the end of that level, you have the chariot. And then you have strength on the second reading from left to right. The second one is strength. And it ends with temperance. And then you have the devil. And it ends with the world. So this can be seen as the stages that we pass through. The magician stage, you'll notice that everyone, virtually every card in the top level there represents some kind of an authority figure. You have the high priestess, you have the empress, you have the emperor, you have the aerophant, you have the lovers, and then you have the chariot. And this is a picture of sort of the maturation process. This is a picture of the formation process in this in this life and how the various different authority structures have impacted and structured your own thinking and your own consciousness from birth to maturity when you're ready basically in the chariot card from this perspective when you're ready to leave home so I'll slow down and let you get that <laughs> the second level then represents a lot of uh, interior work a lot of internal work that we're doing so it begins with strength and i'll explain that one a little bit more in a minute and it and then it goes to the hermit so the hermit turns away from the external world to focus on the interior world to pursue the mystic journey so this second level can represent people who are ready to do the inner work they're ready to do the great work they they've they've been formed and fun and functioning riding the chariot if you will into their circumstances and then they turn inward. Notice that he's looking down at the lion. And then you have um, the hermit. And then you have all these various interior lessons until you get to the place of temperance, which is the place of internal balance. So you can look at the second row as sort of being shadow work, if you will. And then from there, you have a third row of seven. And this really gets into the more spiritual aspects of life. This is the person who is willing, who wants to go beyond even shadow work and, and working through their own problems. So you could look at it this way. The, the people who are somewhere in that second layer of seven are the people that are in therapy. <laughs> I'm saying that because I'm a therapist. Uh, but they're the people that are doing shadow work. They're the people that are, uh, maybe going to energy workers. So they're going to therapy. They're at some level. They're trying to find balance and internal harmony and union somewhere in their lives. And then the third layer is for those that want to go even beyond that. 
Or I could give it to you this way. In the esoteric teaching, there are three levels of consciousness. There is the conscious mind, which we'll come back to and talk about in a minute. There is the conscious mind, the, the will to choose. There is the unconscious or the subconscious mind that stores what we have chosen so that we can perform it and do it and access it without having to constantly make a conscious choice. And then, so that would be the, the conscious mind at the top, the subconscious mind below that, and then the, what they would call the superconscious mind, or what Paul in the scriptures called the mind of God or the mind of the spirit, or you might call it universal consciousness. Some people call it oneness, the universal mind, whatever. It's, it's that spiritual aspect. It's that thing that's greater than us, greater than our individual conscious and subconscious mind, but that we have access to. And so you can read the structure of it that way. And then each card represents a part of that process. And by meditating on those cards, you can gain insights. It'll, it'll pull out of you and draw out of you what's necessary and what you're ready for to get insights about what's going on in your life, where you're at in the journey in the various stages. So it can be read. So you can see how, again, looking at this from multitude of perspectives can bring all kinds of wisdom and benefit and help into our lives. So horizontally, you have three rows of seven, but vertically, you have seven rows of three. <laughs> and the seven rows of three can represent stages of spiritual development and unfoldment that brings together the three minds, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the superconscious mind, or the world of manifestation. Actually, when you're looking at it this way, and I'll come back to this in a minute. Well, no, I'll just do it now. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. At the top, you have what you would call objective states of consciousness. These are states of consciousness, things that everybody experiences. So at the top of the first row, we're just going to deal with the first row today. The top of the first row, you have the magician who's working with the various aspects on his magical table. Then beneath that, you have strength, which is a woman with the infinity symbol above her head, and she's working or taming or has as her companion a lion. And then you have the devil with the two lovers. The lover card is up at the top, second one over from the right. And you notice there's an angel, uh, right away, originally that's the archangel Raphael in that card. But instead of having the angel, you have the devil. <laughs> so it really is the lover's card, but it's the inverse of the lover's card. So the way they would look at this is that the top card represents an objective state of mind or consciousness. The middle row represents the process through which that state of consciousness goes as it is coming from the mind of the objective state of consciousness into the world of name and form or manifestation. I know this sounds complicated, but I'll, I'll simplify it for you in a second and you'll get it. I know you will. So you've got the objective state of mind or consciousness, your decisions, your choices, the things that you're working with consciously. Then it's passing through sort of an intermediary dimension of the subconscious with various different forces. 
into the world of phenomena or into the world of manifestation. So looking at the last column, which would be the completion of this cycle, you have the chariot rider. You have the person ready to manifest what's actually in the world card. They're ready to head out. That's my mindset. I'm going to manifest my true self. I'm going to manifest my soul's purpose. I'm going to manifest why I came. And in order to do that, I have to pass through the lesson of temperance, of having a perfectly balanced and integrated internal life. Because without that balanced and integrated internal life, I will get sidetracked from my journey. I will manifest a false self instead of the authentic self. I will manifest, I'll be pulled by my unmet needs and dysfunctions into relationships that control me and prevent me from being able to manifest who I really am, for example. So this is those of us that got stuck in religious bondage or religious trauma. We were, we wanted to express our purpose. We wanted to find salvation. We wanted to find God, whatever it was. And then we had all these rules that we had to do to fit into. So, you know, I become radically saved at the age of 18, the tender young age of 18, and I get into the church culture, but I'm driven by these unmet needs, these insecurities, my daddy issues, my mommy issues, all the stuff I had to go to therapy for, my traumas. Uh, I was drawn into aspects of religious trauma because it reflected and mirrored to me and spiraled back to me the traumas that I had experienced in my own childhood and growing up. So it made sense to me. So I wasn't tempered. There was no temperance in my life. There was no balance in my life. There was no integration in my life. So I got thrown off track. So I had to come back and learn some things about temperance and balance to say, you know what? I'm not going to give a rat's ass what people think about me. I'm not like the worst kind of betrayal. This was a phrase that changed my life. Someone told me the worst betrayal a person can commit is self-betrayal. When I betray my authentic self, my authentic values, the person that I am, to fit into a group to please them, the classic people uh, uh, pleaser or the classic codependent who can't set boundaries in their life, right? So we compromise those things based on that imbalance inside of us. So I had to come back and get tempered and get some temperance in my life to say, okay, I'm going to come out of the closet spiritually And so by doing that, then I was able to manifest that aspect of my life in the world, which is what the world card there represents. I was able to go forth balanced and androgynous and naked before the world with my wand and work my magic. So you could see you could be at now I could be at that stage in my spiritual journey, but I could be at a different stage in my relationships uh, at home. Or I could be at that stage in my relationships at home and in my spiritual journey, but still have issues on the job or w- within society. So, again, there's so much work that can be done here. So it's, it's not like you ever arrive, but you may arrive at the end of the process in one area of your life, but still be working on and and working through some other area of the process. So we can't generalize what's going on. So I hope that gives you some idea. I want to draw your attention to this, and I may come back to this, but we're going to work with this first row for the rest of the teaching. The Magician, the Strength card, and the Devil card. So I'm going to come back. Um, So hopefully I'm not going too fast through this, and hopefully this is making sense, and hopefully I haven't uh, (laughs) – hopefully I'm still alive. I don't know. This is crazy doing it this way. So, the magician, 
strength card and the um, devil card. So, again, I want to give you this. The upper row represents or symbolizes seven dominant mental states or principles. Those in the second row, from this perspective, typify themselves as the intermediary, the in-between uh, activities or agencies or states of consciousness or powers. And those at the bottom row represent the phenomena that's manifested. So the first stage in this sevenfold process of spiritual unfoldment from the perspective of the structure of the tarot is the stage of bondage. Everybody begins somewhere in their journey in bondage. <laughs> and that's why the devil card at the bottom. That's why it's the lover card with the devil in the bottom. And if you look at the lover card, if you were able, I didn't, I didn't pull that one up. I didn't think to. If you look at the devil card, I'm sorry, you have the lovers, you have the male and the female. You have them with these very loose chains around their necks. So the point is they can lift the chains off their heads at any point in time. And they're chained to a block with the devil sitting on top of the block. So here's the teaching. The magician is the objective stage of consciousness. It's our mind. It's our, it's our thinking processes. It's the person that we are as a result of our th thinking, feeling, desires, processes. All that stuff's going on there, right? And it passes through the intermediaries. The intermediary, intermediary, you got it. There is strength card. And strength is a woman. And she's got a lion there with her. Now, one of the other things that's important to understand as a general rule when you're dealing with the tarot cards is that the male cards represent the masculine aspect of the energy and the female cards represent the feminine aspects of the energy. Shocker, right? Now, this doesn't have anything to do with gender like society thinks about gender. This has to do with principles, really, that are specifically involved in reproduction. And in the esoteric teaching, the feminine energy is always the constricting energy. So you have the law of expansion and the law of contraction. You see this going on in life all the time. Expansion and contraction. Increasing, decreasing. The masculine principle represents in nature and in our lives and at every level, the expansive principle. And from this perspective, then, the feminine energy represents that which contracts or gives form. Like if something is just completely expansive and it just keeps expanding, 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 it has no ability to manifest in the world of name and form or phenomena because there's no contraction to it. There's no limitation to it. So limitation's not bad. Limitation's a good thing. Without limitation, you could have no experience in this world of name and form. And that's why you came here, was <laughs> to have those experiences in the world of name and form. So you have to have that contracting feminine energy. Think about it in reproduction. A man will ejaculate, uh, I don't know, what, millions of sperm, I suppose, and only one of those little guys has to swim to the egg. And in fact, the 
woman's body who's receiving that expansion of sperm is designed to kill it, is designed to uh, contract it. It's designed to take that energy and break it down to just a singularity that can then merge with the egg or then the purpose of more expansion, right? Uh, so that the baby can grow in the womb, so that, that that can be nurtured and and whatever. So that eventually the baby comes out of the hidden place, the baby comes out of the womb, the baby comes out of the inside of the mother and into the world of phenomena where it can become its own independent person. So what they're saying is, is that this principle of reproduction, really sexuality, is the key to magic. Without it, there is no magic that can happen. So the male represents that which initiates, that which penetrates, that which starts something new. The, (laughs) can I say it this way? The power of thrust (laughs) into an environment is, is the masculine energy, the feminine energy then represents that which is received and then is contracted and formed and cultivated in a hidden place until it can be given by the feminine into the world of name and form. So the lover card doesn't just represent, oh, a new relationship is coming into your life. It literally literally represents how those masculine and feminine principles are relating in your life. The masculine principle represents, remember I said you have the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the superconscious mind. The masculine principle represents the conscious mind. Gosh, I hope this isn't like drinking from a fire hose for you guys today. It, it represents the conscious mind. <clears throat> the, the decision part. The state of consciousness. The mindset that you have that you're then going to take with you to manifest into the world. But it passes through the subconscious mind. And so the strength card really represents the subconscious mind. The the feminine represents the subconscious. The high priestess who's sitting with the, the, the scroll that is sealed, and she's sitting in front of a veil, and there's waters behind her. It, it represents the, the mystery and the darkness of the subconscious mind and all the stuff that's going on in there. And that's where, and that's why the lion, because that's the strength of our lives. So the subconscious mind's job when you're in proper relationship, the sub the job of the subconscious is to take the lead from the conscious mind. So again, you could almost argue the whole idea of, Wives submitting to your husbands isn't this patriarchal domineering thing. I mean, it is. Don't get me wrong. But you could almost spiritualize it and look at it as it's the role of the subconscious, not the role of a person. Because we are all made of masculine and feminine energies that need to find their balance. If you're a woman and you're told your job is just to submit to your husband, you have to completely cut off your masculine energy. And you become imbalanced. You become extremely imbalanced. And you'll never get to be able to manifest the fullness of who you are. If you're a man uh, and you're just completely domineering and just always 
being that sort of alpha dog type A personality completely cut off. Then you're cut off from your intuition. You're cut off from your emotions. You're cut off from your sensitivity. You're cut off from your compassion and your empathy. Um, so you're cut off from those energies. So you're going to be, you know, an abuser, a violent person, uh, a jerk to society, all that, all that stuff. Uh, if you're a woman cut off from the masculine energy, you're going to be a doormat in every aspect of your life. Doormat at work, doormat at home, doormat at church, etc. So we all have these energies within us. So, again, wives submitting to the husbands is just understanding the role of the subconscious is to receive direction and command and leadership from the conscious aspect of ourselves. So perfect example of this, but, but once it receives it, then it becomes automatic. So we call it the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, but in older times, they called it the voluntary mind, the, the mind that volunteers and the involuntary mind or the mind of choice, the mind that has choice and the mind that operates completely without choice. And I'll tell you how this works in a minute. So if you think about learning to drive a standard stick shift, some of you older folk like me can relate to that. Some, maybe some younger people are like, I don't even know what that is. But when you were driving a stick shift, uh, you know, now most people have automatics. You turn the car on, you put it in gear and the car automatically does everything it needs to do to get going. In the standard or the stick shift model, you had to shift gears. You had to push in the clutch. So when you're learning to drive, you have all these things that you're having to do at the level of the conscious mind by choice. Okay, I have to think to push in the clutch before I start the car. I have to think to make sure it's in first gear and not fifth gear. I have to let my foot off the clutch and press the gas pedal, but I've got to do it in a subtle enough way because if I don't, the car is going to jerk and it's going to die. Remember those days? And you're having to remember and think about all these things. But after you do it over and over and over again, pretty soon the subconscious mind takes it from the conscious mind and integrates it into who you are so that now it operates automatically. And this is where all our problems come from. All our problems, everything that we're struggling with, every habit that we can't break, the reason we can't lose weight or quit smoking or quit getting into those negative relationships or we keep recycling over and over again the same circumstance at work, the same boss, the same coworker, whatever, is because we have some set form in the subconscious mind that operates completely independently without choice. It's just it like it takes a job and says, okay, this is what you want me to do, and it just goes and goes and goes, 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 and it never stops. And that leads us then to the last card in that first row of three, which is the devil card that leads us into places of bondage and limitation where we are completely bound by our circumstances and they're chained to a block with the devil card sitting on the block over the lover card. He's lighting the guy's tail on fire, I believe. Okay. And so what this represents for us is it represents when we when we jump to conclusions, when we make generalizations, when we don't have enough information or enough revelation or enough insight, and we put it through this, and it goes through this process of 
our subconscious mind accepting it, then we begin to manifest for ourselves limitation and bondage. What the devil card is really teaching us, we look at the lovers as the aspects of our inner world. What the devil card is really teaching us is that there's nothing in the external world that can make us happy. That we have a tendency to work on life from the outside in rather than the inside out. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying cut off the outside. I'm not saying go be a hermit. I'm not saying try to escape. I'm saying how do we manifest in the world of name and form elegantly, exquisitely, the outcomes that we want. And so what this row is teaching us is that we don't work on our problems from the outside in. We don't try to get our boss to change or our spouse to change or our, uh, you know, just working strictly with the forces that are outside of us and think that somehow if we do that, then that's going to bring us real happiness and real contentment, real harmony and real joy. So what has to happen is the magician has to have new insights, new ideas, new revelation. That's where all change begins. A new idea, a new thought process, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing something. That's why the tarot cards can be so beautiful because they can offer us a new way of looking at the same situation so that we can work with new energies and different energies or different combinations of the energies in our lives in order to bring about an outcome. So in a good reading spread, you'll have all these various combinations of emotion and passion and circumstances going on in our lives and maybe a major arcana lesson going on. And then somewhere there's a card that says this combination of energies is going to lead to this outcome. And then that outcome card shows us uh, sometimes it's called the future card. It's not telling you your future. It's saying with this combination of energies and the way it's operating, this is going to be the outcome. If it's an outcome that you like and you want, then just keep doing what you're doing. If it's an outcome that you don't want and you don't like, then that offers you the opportunity to look at those other cards and say, what can I change? Like maybe you get a spread that has all kinds of swords in it and or swords and wands, but there's no cups. And maybe it's leading to an outcome that you don't want in your professional life. And so what maybe it's showing you is that you need to bring in, um, you need to bring in some emotion. You need to bring in some feeling. You need to bring your heart into that. Or it could be showing you that you need to change some things in the way you're managing the world of name and form, the world of action, that kind of thing. Uh, and maybe you need to, you know, bring in some, uh, other energies in order to change so that you don't get that outcome that you want. So this is the, this is the point of bondage that we're just kind of going through life being programmed, being programmed really by the emperor and the Aerophant, the high priestess and all that stuff that's in that first row when you're looking at it horizontally. We're saying, look, we, we've been crafted into a certain mindset and then by choice we're staying in that mindset. And that mindset, when it's given to the strength card, when it's given to the subconscious mind that's working with the driver, it's working with the driving forces in our life, then we keep manifesting this level of bondage and pain for ourselves. And really what this this set is showing us is that cause and effect is the opposite of what we think. We tend to look at cause and effect in our lives as the cause is out there and the effect is in here. I went to work and I got into, you know, my boss told me I had to do this stuff that I didn't want to do. 
And so I got really angry. It made me angry. It made me really upset. So the cause is the boss. The cause is the new assignment, right? And the effect is I feel really shitty about it. I'm really angry about it. So we think that the cause and effect is the outside world. That's the person who's chained to the, to the, the, the stone. The stone represents the material world, if you will. That we, that, that we're, we feel like we're locked into playing this game only at the level of name and form. And we are the victim of all these circumstances. We are the effect of everything that's going on around us. So in this scenario, I'm the effect of my boss. <laughs> and what, and so it just keeps me chained, right? So what that card is trying to show you is no, that is an illusion. The reason that you're angry that you took on more work is because something inside you felt like you couldn't tell your boss no. <laughs> that told you maybe you were like that woman, and you can be male or female, but maybe you're like that woman that was oppressed at home and in the church and in society that said you don't have equal power, don't manifest your masculine side, that just makes you a bitch. Um, you need to learn to submit. So maybe... You just take orders your whole life. And so the boss goes in, and that's how you learn to relate to authority. Well, that's what the boss wants. When the boss says it, that's what you do. That's a state of consciousness. So it's really your state of consciousness that created that, because there are other options there. You could say no. You could say, no, I'm not doing that. Um, or you could express your limitations and say, you want this to be successful and job done well, right? Uh, you want this to be effective, right? And I'm just going to tell you right now, if I do it, it's not going to be effective. So you're probably better off giving that assignment to someone else. Well, now the boss is looking at you like you're a, you know, rebellious employee or whatever, or you put the problem back in their lap now that, you know, not my problem, your problem. So now they're mad at you and, and you just see how the game gets played. But regardless, you can leave that situation feeling like you stood up for yourself, not having to take on the extra work. You say, well, well, they might write me up. Okay. Let them write you up. Well, they might fire me. Okay. But still, do you have the ability as a magician then? to go out and find another, maybe even better job, to manifest maybe even a better outcome for you in your professional life. So you're staying stuck in a dead-end job where they're always dumping on you because subconsciously you don't believe that you have the power to go out and create wealth through another avenue or something. And so you can see how just this one row, when we look at it and understand the cause and effect in terms of manifestation, that the external world does not create harmony and balance and positivity and blessing on the inside, but that when we become the harmony, when we become the balance, when we become the blessing on the inside, then we can act from a place of strength on the inside, from a place of the magician's determined purpose, using the right combination of feeling and desire and action in order to manifest the outcome that we want to see manifest in the world. And that's what working magic really is. That's how we break out of those bondages and we break out of those limitations. The cards are showing us that we're not the victims necessarily of the will of God and his control over our lives, but it's showing us to do what thou wilt. And here's how you do it. So I said I'd go back and try to look at some of these questions. Uh, Coming to do this on my phone. I thought I saw a couple. Hopefully this came across well to everyone. Um, hopefully again, it wasn't like, uh, 
Oh, Chris. Chris says, hi, Aaron. I'm here, too. That's right, Chris. And I'm sure Joanne's watching with Nick. I was sorry. I just read the names. Um, Beth says, you're right on the money. Cool. Um, that is encouraging for me because she's got a lot more um, experience. I'm invested in this than I do. Leah says, which deck is best to start with? Uh, if you don't know anything about tarot, I always suggest that people start with the right away. Like I said, the artwork is not very inspiring, but for me, it has the right structure for the arcana, for the teaching. Other people would say, you know, just go with what you're drawn to, um, what energetically feels right to you. And I suppose either one is a good way to go. Um, Greetings from Iraq. That's awesome. Greetings from Paul from Iraq. All right. Looks like, looks like that was the only question out there. So anyway, bless you guys. Hope this was helpful. I'm sure some of you want to go back and watch it again. Uh, give me some feedback on it. You know, what did I need to improve upon? Do I need to go slower with some of this stuff? Uh, you know, what, what would you like to, uh, See me change and improve so that I can give you a better experience uh, with our time together. As always, I love all of you. I appreciate so much that you spend this time with me, and uh, it's why I do it. And uh, so blessings to you, and uh, see you next time.